it did sort of fit, uh, kind of fit with the mood somehow. I don't know why. It just was kind of cosmic, I guess. That's Matthew Sweet talking about his new album, Cat's Paw. I'm Jamie Green, and this is Trading Force. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Trading Fours. I'm your host, Jamie Green, and got a question for you. Who was the most famous alumni of your high school? Who was like the person who did the best that uh, people talked about? Well, for my high school, it certainly isn't me, right? Because I'm just a schmo with the podcast. But uh, there's a couple people, but the one person uh, that I've always wanted to talk to and get a chance to hang out a little bit with is the amazing uh, Matthew Sweet. So Matthew graduated from uh, the same high school I did. He literally graduated in May of 83, and I showed up in August of 83. So we just missed each other, but uh, Lincoln is a college town where lots of people know each other. So I was very much aware of Matthew. My siblings went to high school with some of his siblings. We went to the same church growing up. So it's always been a dream of mine to get a chance to talk to Matthew about his amazing, prolific career. All the great songs he's written, all the collaborations he's done. Um, so I reached out, uh, and his management uh, said absolutely, and we got to talk. And we could—it's one of those things where we could have talked for hours. Uh, probably a little too much inside baseball for some people, unless you're also from Lincoln. Uh, but Matthew's really cool uh, and has done so many great things, and just a sweet guy. So uh, you're really gonna dig this. We really had a lot of fun. So let's get started. Here's my conversation with Matthew Sweet. Well, M- Matthew, thanks so much for being on Trading Fours. Um, this is going to be the last episode of the year for me, and I know Catspot came out at the beginning of the year, and I, I really dug the album. And it kind of well, it kind of fit the mood, though, right? I mean, we're still in crazy times, so I'm asking everybody this because I'm, I'm... How are you holding up? Uh, I'm doing... I'm doing well. You know... It's funny. I, I've had this conversation even very recently. I'm trying to remember who it was with, where like, for me, <clears throat> I'm, I've always been a, a homebody. I've never been, you know, super social in terms of, you know, having tons of friends and going out and doing stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really uh, kind of you know, a loner in that sense, other than my wife and we hang out, you know, all the time. And uh, so I kind of felt like, you know, it doesn't change that much for me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Other than, you know, we couldn't tour and um, I got in, you know, kind of worse shape physically and stuff. Oh my God. Um, It it hasn't. You're preaching in the choir, bud. Yeah. 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 I did the COVID 30. (laughs) <laughs> it hasn't oh yeah i know i know it's yeah. you know <laughs> um but it hasn't you know changed my life that much i th- think i got a we were double vaccinated with the pfizer in the spring and we're pretty sure we got uh, a breakthrough infection in early july mm. it was really nasty kind of thing i'd never felt before but i didn't get tested 
but I spent about a week with a fever over a hundred, like nice. an entire tire. It was like eight days straight oh, <laughs> and no. just terrible joint aches and body aches and fatigue, but it didn't get in my lungs. So I, I'm happy about that. And I guess I have to credit the vaccination. And now we've had our boosters and our flu shots and, and everything, but other than being careful about that and, you know, touring not being happening um and it's a little bit i'm kind of like maybe far from going out and touring it could be later next year um but uh so the touring thing's weird you know because it was really how i primarily make my living i mean i have you know i get some publishing stuff a couple times a year but not quite enough, you know, to get by on, but my wife has a job. And so, you know, in those ways, it's weird time for musicians, but I feel like at least I'm free to make music. And I felt happy that I actually had something um, finished at the beginning of the pandemic and, and that uh, we were able to get Omnivore to put it out um, in such a timely fashion, even though it was, you know, a year old. And uh, yeah, strangely, even though it wasn't born of the pandemic, um, it did sort of fit, uh, kind of fit with the mood somehow. I don't know why, it just was kind of cosmic, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I guess I've kind of answered your question. I no, consumed- you totally did. I've consumed incredible amounts of content, you know, just yeah. watched what are you, what a are you million hours of shows <laughs> and things, just everything. You know, I watched, you know, for instance, like I'm a big fan of the original uh, 60s Star Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched every episode of every version of Star Trek that was ever made. You know, that's where Catspaw came from, right? I wa- that is where cat's paw well yeah, yeah. yeah i yeah. actually saw it on a someone say it on a it was a show i want to say like maybe like the white queen or one of those shows about sort of uh royalty uh british royalty kind of history mm-hmm. and someone used the term cat's paw and i already you know knew that word because of star trek but uh, I wasn't exactly sure what it meant. And it really is the main meaning it has is, you know, someone who does the bidding of, of another, like, you know, he was a cat's paw for the king or something like that is how I heard it. And it got back in my head. Um, but I also found the little uh, uh, definition that I put in the artwork, which was, you know, something that comes down you know, hard and final as in a cat's paw, you know, so I kind of thought of it more like, you know, being crushed by life or something. Right. Um, and, you know, I love cats in general. So just having a way to put cat in anything was, right. was you know, cool. Um, but I've, I watch, I've watched, you know, 
dumb things and great things. I watched, you know, every episode of Friends, which I'd never oh, yeah. seen. I've never watched you, it, which is a know, Gen Xer. I don't know how I, I didn't do that, but I never watched it. I've never yeah, watched I really episode. didn't watch TV all during the 90s or even uh, into the new millennium. It's funny. It was Susanna Hoffs um, who kind of got me to start watching stuff. Um, she was like, you've got to get, you know, these channels and all this stuff. And, and, uh, she sort of gifted me like HBO and all these things. And then I got into, to watching, you know, so I've watched, you know, a million movies and just, I'm, I'm constantly consuming. Right. Well, there's, there's so much to unpack there, but I, I will say, I just watched the Sparks documentary Oh, that sounds great. You would love it. And it's, I think it's on HBO. So check that out. And oh, it's, that's great. Yeah. So, I haven't yeah, that, seen that. That'll be one. Um, and then from an HBO standpoint, um, David Simon is such a great writer. And I, I, everybody talks about the wire and the wire is great, but I really love Treme because it's all about new Orleans after right, the, yeah, at Katrina. Yeah. yeah I it, need to watch that show. So, well, uh, you and I have a shared history. In fact, it's, I was laughing because today somebody was on Twitter talking about who's the most famous person from your high school. And it, it's going to be either you, Matthew, or uh, Alex Gordon. I guess if you're a sports person, it's Alex Gordon who played for the Royals for, I don't know, 15 seasons. And, you know, they won wow. World series. He was Lincoln Southeast, but you, you would probably be the other one. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. I, I love growing up in Lincoln. I felt like it was a, a great place to grow up. And some of my closest and dearest friends uh, are from Lincoln. I'm still in touch yeah, with them yeah. now. What was it like for you? I agree. I, it was the same. I thought it was a great place to grow up. Um, it wasn't, you know, so big that it had real big city problems. So you could kind of, even as a kid get around and do, you know, I would take the bus downtown and I could do stuff on my own, even when I was pretty young. And, uh, there were, you know, lots of people who were musicians because it was a college town and there was, you know, a good, uh, a great record store with dirt cheap. And um, uh, so I I really liked growing up in Lincoln. And it's funny, when I first went away, I went to Georgia and and, uh, went to college for a couple of years at U of A in Athens, Georgia. And it was like, I lived there and then I lived in New York for a few years and people didn't even know like what Nebraska was. They were, they were like, you know, it was like being from some far away mythical right? land or something. Yeah, they ask now if still it's Indians funny. There, right? it, it's funny because so, so often I'll see references to Nebraska and Lincoln just in uh, movies and TV shows and things. So I guess a lot of people from here must have made it out to LA and and uh, uh, gotten into writing because I, I see it pretty pretty often. But yeah, I, I, I loved Lincoln. I didn't leave there because I didn't like it. I just was more, you know, curious and ready to go live on my own. And I had kind of met the guys from REM and they had hooked me up with uh, Mitch Easter from North Carolina, who was, I was kind of pen pals with when I was still in, in uh, high school and uh, people from Athens kind of encouraged me to go there. Uh, 
Mitch said I'd go to Athens or Boston and Athens just sounded easier, you know, because it was a, a small town. Kind of another um, college town like Lincoln, I'm, I'm guessing is part. Yeah, of exactly. Deal. And another right. college town and not not that different in a way. I mean, Athens was smaller, um, but at least at that time, it, I'm sure it's much bigger now. Uh, but uh, but yeah, love Lincoln, have fond memories of it. You know, in my older years, I kind of felt like uh, I couldn't remember like my when I was really young very well. And everybody always remembered things better than I did, you know, when I would see friends or uh, meet people, even that I didn't know who grew up there. And once I moved back to Omaha, which is about, I think, seven years ago now, um, it slowly started to kind of come back to me. And I feel like I've kind of reconnected with my feelings about Lincoln and growing up there and the early times of getting into music in my life, you know, so um, it's been really cool to be back here for that reason. And the location, um, even though I grew up in Lincoln and, you know, probably I would prefer to live in Lincoln. My sister lives there with her family and some of my nieces and stuff, but Omaha just made more sense for being able to use this as a touring base and, uh, and uh, you know, get out and do what I was already doing. So it didn't really change my music life that much to move here because the internet and I just kind of felt like I could go anywhere. So when we decided to leave LA, we thought of, you know, a million places. Like we were like, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to way Northern California on the water or whatever. But it was like everywhere we knew no one and it was hard to like get to airports and stuff. So eventually, I don't know how it came up, but we thought, what if we went to Nebraska? And, you know, my brother brother is in uh, Des Moines. And like I said, my sister's in Lincoln and my parents were both still alive. Uh, and in Lincoln, when we came back here, they've both passed since since I moved here. But it was great to reconnect with my family. It's really cool to be closer to my brother and sister. We're all really good friends. We don't have like weird uh, dynamics sort of in our family. That's <laughs> and great. so uh, and they all have a million kids, you know, so there's lots of nieces and nephews and and uh, family around, which I, I really like. No, it's great. I, uh, I, my sister, who's in Omaha, uh, she lives at like 144th and center. Um, she's one of my closest friends. I know it. I know it well. I bet you do. Did yeah. you get, so did Matthew, when you came back, uh, was your wife, how much did your wife know about Nebraska? Or was she... Well, she knew a lot because she grew up in Scott's Bluff. Well, that's wait, Randy I mean, Meisner territory now. We're really, yeah, exactly. Nebraska, right? yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, show, yes, she knew who he was, and uh, he was very well known in Scotts Bluff. And uh, so we grew up on opposite ends of the state, but we met uh, in New York. And then, you know, when I had uh, split up with my first wife, I got married really, really young. 
Um, uh, I was back here. I had met her in New York through uh, uh, my brother's uh, wife's family. And uh, I came back to visit in Lincoln and I went over to my brother's one night and she was there babysitting one of my nieces who's, you know, in her thirties now or whatever. Right. And it was just like this weird connection. And because we were both from Nebraska, we just had this connection of kind of seeing things the same way and having kind of the same attitude, you know, she was mm-hmm. kind of practical in a way like I was and, and grounded in a way that I think of as, Midwestern and, and Nebraskan. So she also has uh, relatives all the way here in Omaha and in Lincoln. And her one of her sisters moved to Omaha last spring. And in fact, we have her, uh, our niece, her daughter is 18 and she's been living at our house. So we kind of, since we don't have any kids, we're kind of getting to pretend to be sort of parents, you know, here with here with her. And so uh, that's kind of cool, you know. No, so, yeah, Lisa, cool. my wife, knew Nebraska well. Well, that's great. And I, you know, I've been here, like I said, since 94, but uh, we were out, my wife, my wife's a Kansas City native, so kind of close. And oh, as you cool. know, Kansas City and Lincoln is an easy three-hour drive. So Oh, yeah, I, I went can... down there as a teenager to see you know, squeeze and oh, yeah. the pretenders and some, some really great things I got to see down there. Yeah. Um, and then we were out in Phoenix for a while, but we moved back and kind of to your earlier point, you know, my father, um, who was a jazz musician and he actually taught at the university. Oh, that's so cool. He got sick and died. I, we came back in May of 2000. My dad died in October of 2000. And I, I I'm sure it's the same for you. I cannot, put enough value the fact that I got to spend that much time with him by coming back to the Midwest it's really important I was so so glad I I got to spend that time with my parents uh my mom uh passed away pretty quickly I mean about a year after uh we moved back here my dad uh, was, you know, a few years longer, um, but yeah, just to be able to see them, you know, it was kind of like they were freaked out <laughs> that we moved to Nebraska. You know, they were like, "What's wrong?" You know, right? <laughs> but uh, but it was great to see them and be around them. And I cannot imagine not having been here for that. I think it must be so. Uh, disorienting for people who can't be around really for that you know part of life because it's an important thing and um I just think it would have been so much weirder and kind of affected me worse you know had Mm -hmm. I not been around yeah and I think when you get to about your 30s you you start to kind of I don't know if it's calmed down but I think you just have a greater appreciation that every generation kind of goes through the same thing, right? That nobody yeah. has it figured out and that it's been hard and y- your parents are people. I know that seems yes. stupid to say that out loud, but it does. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, and now my mother who, you know, was still with us and, and actually in the house we grew up in Lincoln, she's 89. She's one of my closest and dearest oh my God, friends. Wow. 
So it's that's just that, great. Yeah. yeah. And that was how it was with my parents, you know, toward the end, like if any weirdnesses, you know, it's like I grew up and I think we had a, a great childhood, you know, there, there were issues. Um, I'm, I suffer from bipolar disorder, although I've been treated for 20 years. And I think my mom was quite bipolar, but never treated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was some, we kind of butted heads and there was, you know, a, a sort of awkwardness between us. Um, and it, it took me kind of a long time to come to terms with it. But like you said, like toward the end, we got along great and there was no weirdness and that, that helped a lot. And since she's been gone, I just only remember fondness, you know, none of Mm -hmm. the weirdness at all kind of hangs around for me. You know, I, I have dreams where I see, my parents where they're there, where I talk to them and it, they're never nightmares. It's, it's always something kind of positive. No, I, I agree. And then we're going to talk about music, but I, I think it's, you know, you and I are pretty close in age and as you yeah, get older yeah. and you just kind of, um, you know, right after my dad died, I actually had a, and you have those dreams that are so vivid. Like you think they're real. At the, at oh the yeah. And he came, yeah. In, came into our bedroom of the house I lived in at the time here in Kansas city. And he said, it's okay. I'm all right. Um, and I'm in a better place. It's good. You know, lead your life kind of thing. And it was one of those things that just, you, it just startles when you wake up, it felt like it, he was really in the room. And, yeah. Oh, I've had that. Yeah. Right. So, well, I've got, uh, I feel that Gen Xers, I know we kind of get shit on Matthew because, you know, we're between the baby boomers and the millennials yeah. and stuff. Well, but, I mean, I'm 64, so it's actually you're, considered, you're right. It's the, right on the cusp, kind right? of, you know, but, but I think we I have think, the cool, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think maybe I'm baby. <laughs> well, you're right on the edge, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you were born, what year would you have been born? 64? 64 in October. Yeah. So you're right on that edge. But I was thinking for, at least for us, I felt like we got the best because we got all that great music when we were kids, right? You know, oh, this, yeah. the, not only just the Beatles, which everybody talks about, but there's so yes. much great music. And then the seventies had a lot of great music and then yeah. our generation stuff. And then right now, so I'm guessing you probably feel the same. It was a great time to love music and appreciate music and take it all in. Totally great. And the funny thing about it, you know, when I look back is, uh, you know, even in the mid to late seventies, as I was 10, 12, 13, 14, um, you know, the Beatles and things from the sixties just seemed like, ancient history to me right (laughs) and it's so mind-blowing how short that time had been how much happened in such a short period of time in the 60s and 70s and and 80s and you know it's very different now because the internet kind of blew everything up Mm -hmm. but you know life was different then and it was kind of more exciting to be into music it was one of the things you could do and it was your private world you could close your bedroom door and, you know, get lost in records. They were big and interesting kind of to look at, you know, Absolutely. and, and uh, it's hard to explain kind of to people who are younger, what it was like to not be able to find out every little thing about stuff you love. You had to either run into someone who knew more than you, 
or you know whatever you could find in some kind of publication was about it you know so uh i think it was an exciting time to to get into music and uh and yeah just uh such an early explosion of stuff and really as i got older the more i loved you know the 60s and the beatles and you know i loved a lot of 70s stuff i grew up you know more in the 70s right um so you know i was 10 in 1974 so it was by that time you know i was unfortunate in that there nobody was really a musician in my family um i didn't have you know my parents didn't have all these incredible records and know the history of of any music so i kind of went backwards like i learned a current stuff as i was growing up and then as i got a little older i went back and back and back and eventually you know learned about you know the 50s and mm-hmm. how rock and roll started and um that's just so cool your dad was a jazz guy um the late uh robert quine who played on uh, a bunch of my records early on uh you know, turned me on to a lot of music and he really, um, you know, he was quite a bit older than me and he um, was the one who kind of got me into Sun Records and a lot of those, you know, Roy Orbison and all Mm -hmm. these kind of 50s people. But he, the greatest thing is he turned me on to Bill Evans. Oh, yeah. And I just love Bill Evans so much. And so... Um, that's kind of my jazz thing is him, you know, and I pl- still play all his records, you know, all the time. Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, my dad was 40 years older than me. Um, so it was almost two generations, right. Wow. Cause he, you know, he graduated from high school in 1946. So he was wow. a, just like Harry James was his hero. Harry James, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, so cool. uh, you know, Art Blakey. Uh, and the cool thing is I have all of his albums um, and I never threw my albums out. So down in my basement, like, it's like, that's what I love to do. It's just wow. like, been a long week and put on a great album and sit that's back really and have cool. a cocktail. Yeah. And, and it's one I- of the cool things about now is the the kind of appreciation for vinyl. You know, when I started out in the eighties, when I first got a record deal, I guess I was 20 or 21 and, it was like, if you were really successful, you could do a seat. They'd put out a CD, but if you were just kind of starting out, they would just do vinyl. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, if you were, uh, you would get a CD, but you wouldn't get vinyl unless you were really successful. (laughs) And for a long time, just nobody at labels cared too much about vinyl because it was sort of gone and that's one of the great things now is we always get to make vinyl no matter how kind of indie the stuff we put out is because it it has its niche that's really strong and i go to when i'm touring i've been to a lot of uh record stores um and we'll do little in stores and play in them sometimes in fact there's one in kansas city they're so great and i'm i'm spacing the name and i kind of, i know the guy that runs it yeah, and a bunch of them now. i was like i was down there and he had a letter that i wrote to him when i was in high school um 
with a a reel-to-reel tape of a group I was in called The Specs, who were really, everybody was in college but me. I was like 13 and I played bass with them and they were all, you know, in college and partying. And I guess I sent, (laughs) we made a a recording and uh, I, I sent it to this guy and it was, it was so funny. It was like, I know we're totally shit. And, you know, it was like, I was putting us down, you know, in the letter, please listen to this tape. Now that I told you it's terrible, but uh, we did get a song on the KFMQ. Oh yeah. uh, Homegrown album one year. And that was kind of the first uh, song I wrote that ever got on, uh, got on a record. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff out of Kansas City I loved. Um, uh, I'm now, again, spacing the name of the label, but that's who I sent the letter to. Okay. And they they had the boys. Do you know the boys? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I just loved them. Like, I, when I turned 13, um, I, my friends snuck me into uh, the drumstick, the, the great club in in Lincoln and uh, they were so amazing. You know, they were like Mm -hmm. cheap trick or something. And uh, I, I really dug them and, and, you know, I knew they made, they had a record out of, out of Kansas city. So uh, I have that, that connection too. So did you know that the drumstick, they did a uh, documentary about it? I did not know that. Yeah. Just, it just came out. So I'll send you the the link to your manager. You can check it out. But you know, I went to high school and junior high school actually uh, with the can brothers and their mom owned the drumstick. Ah, so, cool. So yeah. Jeff and Dennis can, they would come like, and they go like, Oh, we got to see Joan Jett last night, you know, yeah, like yeah. 13 at pound junior high. And I'm like, you have the coolest mom on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there were some great artists that came through there and, you know, that's how I met REM. I went to see them because I had a 45 that I read about in their first 45. They made themselves. I, I read about in New York Rocker, this kind of newsprint rock magazine from New York that I got at Cheap Trick. I, I'm sorry, uh, Dirt Cheap. Cheap. I mean, yep. to say, I just said Cheap Trick before. Um, and, uh, you know, I went to see them and there were like, you know, 80 people there or something it was such an incredible experience and they're like wow this kid in nebraska has our 45 you know and i used to see so many great people there joe king carrasco oh my god yeah and you know like i would drive (laughs) them to like mcdonald's and stuff you know yeah kind of help help people out and and uh so yeah there we had some great times there yeah, the documentary's cool. Uh, I'll send the link and check it out. You'll enjoy it. And, you know, it's so inside baseball. But for people like us, it's like, yeah, it's, sure. It's like a total, like, you know, mind trip. It's like taking you back. Um, yeah, yeah. I got the t shirt too, because I was like, I got to get the t shirt. Cause, oh, that's know. cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Remember the Drumstick, is the name of the documentary. Okay. So. Where do you? find it is it's, it's on the internet matthew you yeah. know everything's on the interweb so yeah, somebody sent me the link to watch it so but I, i'll yeah. find they're doing stuff there for it too um but I, i'll get it to you it, yeah. it won't be hard since i know so many people still on link and it'll be easy i'll send it to him and he can send it on to you and, and let me know what you think of it but it's a lot of fun um well i could talk to you all forever but i want to be cognizant of your time but one thing i want to talk when you were talking about love of music and you brought up Suzanne a little bit. Um, I think it's so cool what you guys did. 
uh, for three different decades. And just that picking the songs that you love to play, I'm guessing is how, what was your process for like, this is the songs we want to do. <laughs> well, you know, we knew each other a little bit from way back. Um, somehow my friend Fred Marr knew her back even, I think it was before girlfriend and, uh, uh, before we made it. And so I would have been living in New York. And I remember one day he put me on the phone with her. And of course I dug the bangles and I had their early records. I really liked girl groups in general. I love the go-go's and, you know, going back in time, like the Shangri-Las are probably my favorite. Um, but, uh, but anyhow, I, I spoke to her on the phone at some point. I can't remember why he put me on the phone with her. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, you know, I, um, she brought uh, Mike Myers to an early girlfriend show at this place, McCabe's. And uh, she and her husband, Jay, who at the time was a film teacher at UCLA, right. um, they were good friends with Mike and his then wife, Robin. And so we all started hanging out after that. And I, that's how I got to know her better through Austin's band, you know, the uh, Ming T. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we knew each other from that. And then uh, at some point in the mid, uh, what do you call the first decade? The aughts, I guess. The aughts, the aughts, yeah, mid aughts. Yeah. Um, she uh the bangles asked me to go and do a song or two at a thing that was back at mccabe's that same place we met and uh it was like bangles and friends and so i went to do that and when we were backstage uh afterwards i saw Susanna. we hadn't seen each other in a little while since i guess the third uh awesome powers movie and I said, you know, I'd love to do something sometime with you. I really love your voice. Mm -hmm. And really my idea was we would write songs and, um, and it would be her, you know, the, the idea wasn't, my idea wasn't for me to be with her, you know, or singing, but she had a relationship uh, with a guy named Sean Amos. He's actually a famous Amos's son. Okay. And he worked at this place called Shout Factory, who now, you know, they're probably mostly known as a, they uh, reissue tons of video. Um, they came out of sort of Rhino Records land people. And uh, they were already talking to Sue and they really wanted, they said, why don't you guys do a, you know, a, a covers record? Um, and even though that wasn't sort of what I had in mind, just to do anything together, you know, we were excited about. So we were like, sure, we'll make a covers record. So that's how the first one uh, came together. And it was a, a great time for me uh, hanging with Sue and getting to know her. It's kind of like a sister to me a little bit. Um, you know, we're not in as much touch now that I, I don't live there, but we, we are enough that you know, we, we are planning to do a 90s volume at some point. Um, and, uh, you know, so we made the, the process was like we would each make a list or even certain days we'd call each other 
and go, what about this song or what about that song? But what was amazing in the beginning even is when we compared lists, we had just a ton of the same things, you know, even if they were, you know, not as well-known stuff like, you know, the left bank and, mm-hmm. and, and certain things that were on that. So um, it was almost kind of magical. Like how do we like all the same stuff, but we just really liked a lot of the same stuff. And then it kind of expanded into if we would hear something that we thought was kind of challenging, like, Whoa, what if we covered this song? You know, that just, because it just was, we were curious to see if we could kind of pull it off, you know? And so that was a lot of fun. And all of our lists, all the decades, we, you know, at least probably 70% of our lists already matched when we didn't even talk about it. Even with, (laughs) even we've done some back and forth about the nineties and we pick all the same things, you know, so it's, it's pretty crazy. So go ahead, Matthew. No, it's okay. Um, No, go ahead. I was just going to say, so the nineties is such a crazy decade musically, right? Because I mean, everybody thinks of grunge and obviously that was a big part of it, but you and I offline talked a little bit about jellyfish and then, you know, those, there's those types of bands. Yeah. Some great power pop bands. Right. Uh, So there's all that part of it too. And there's some great, you know, women acts that came out in the nineties. There's a lot of great stuff. So, I mean, you you don't have to give it away and ruin the surprise, but what is there a kind of genre that you guys are looking at or what, what's kind of speaking Um, to you from that decade? Not exactly. It's sort of wide ranging and uh, I'd kind of have to look to tell you what things exactly, but you know, all the groups you would think that we would like, um, you know, we both came up with uh, There She Goes, that song by The Lost. Yeah. Uh, um, And, uh, you know, but a a wide variety of things. And uh, I think what I was going to say, my last uh, comment on the process Mm -hmm. is that we made that first record and then we found out they put volume one (laughs) on the artwork (laughs) and we're like volume one like are are we gonna do another one (laughs) you know it's like we didn't even know that was gonna happen exactly so it's kind of amazing it became the different decades uh volumes and kind of over time we got sort of worse and worse about taking forever to make them (laughs) and we both had a lot of other things we were doing Right. And uh, it was sort of like Shop Factory got more and more kind of angry at us for not turning <laughs> in the records quickly enough. Like, for instance, we we were uh, planning on making the 70s a, quote, double album, unquote. We recorded, you know, almost 40 songs for it. And at some point they're like, take what you have done and we're making a single (laughs) CD, you know? Uh, So someday we'll release some, some of it's seen the light of day, but there's quite a few things that never came out from it. And Susanna in particular is always saying, we got to get those songs and get them out somehow. That's so great. Uh, And the only thing I'll add, and then we, and then I'll have a final question to wrap up, but uh, so I had Jason Faulkner on um, and I've loved Jason for a long time and his music and stuff. But I, I told him I was laughing because, you know, you're a high school boy. 
that Susanna was like this huge crush of mine. I was just in love with Susanna and he laughed. Yeah, he said, she was great. I mean, right? everybody was. Yeah. That's what he, that's what he did. He laughed. He said, everybody was in love with Susanna. Yeah, <laughs> right? totally. She had that, you know, look to the side thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I can still see the video. Uh, so and she it, has such a great sense of humor and gosh, we've had a lot of fun together. Yeah. And he, he, you know, he did his, her first solo album and he talked glowingly about how great she was and how, you know, sweet she is and how wonderful she is to work with. So I'm, I'm not surprised to hear it from you too, but it's awfully nice, right. To hear those things about people. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, just people are, you know, in awe of her and everybody remembers her really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, that just they're still in love with her. And I mean, she also it's like she's barely aged. She hasn't. Yeah, you know, which is annoying, though. That's the one that's my it, one it, thing. against. It's her. very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like always been in great shape and and uh, she looks great. And not that that matters, but um, it helps with all the fans who um, still love her, you know, mm-hmm. um, when they get to see, wow, she's kind of still who I loved, you know? Right. Well, I could talk to you all day. We, you know, we could talk about four against and we could talk about the millions. Oh, four against. That's my, my buddy, Jeff runnings. Yeah. Yeah. All these blinking We've connected a little bit here in Omaha. You know what, what else I wanted to ask you is if you know, uh, Lendy Nickerson. Why does that name sound familiar? She's in sort of involved with bands a lot in Kansas City. Okay, yeah. She's married to somebody in Kansas City and has lived there. And she was like my my last high school girlfriend. Okay. And we were really, really tight. And then when I moved away to Athens, I sort of dropped the ball on our thing, you know, and I always have kind of felt badly about it. And so many people in... uh in over the years bring her up to me because somehow she's been really involved with bands and stuff in in kansas city so i just thought maybe you'd know her i don't but now i'm gonna have to look her up matthew you know lendy nickerson i I bet you i'm looking on facebook we probably have like yeah we have three mutual friends i'm sure she is on there yep so I will have to shout out and say, hey, because that's, you know, she's another Southeast night. That's, that's she cool. was like such a cool person. And her dad was actually a teacher at uh, I think at Southeast. OK. And and uh, Mr. Nickerson. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I I loved their family and I'd hang out a lot over there. So well, that's great. Shout out to her. So for you, what's 20? I know you want to tour later in the year. It's got to seem weird. You put out a great album. I read the reviews. The reviews were fabulous, which has to make you feel good. Um, Yeah, that was cool. The response. I really, you know, it's funny because I just really didn't know even what I thought about Cat's Paw when I finished it. And um, so it was really wonderful, the reaction it got and super nice reviews. I did a ton of... uh, of promo for it you know omnivore really stepped up you know for that so i i can only speak very very highly of them but you know i do want to make more music i kind of thought this year i would have been already writing and recording but somehow i haven't quite gotten to it but it's it's building up that's how it kind of works with me like the feeling sort of builds up and builds up and then suddenly I'll do a ton of stuff and and make an album. So I'm sure I will do it for sure during 
2022. Um, and, you know, the albums don't do that much for us, no. you know, at this age anymore. And, and who we are that are from, you know, old rockers from the past, you know. Right. But uh, for me, I never have gotten sick of doing music. And, uh, and that's what I love to do is record and, and write songs. So I'll keep trying to do that. And, you know, touring has stayed amazingly pretty good for me over the years. So maybe it's good to get a couple years off and kind of, uh, you know, build back up and, and uh, it'll be kind of fresh for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, I saw one of your reviews and somebody said that, you know, that it was like, you were like a warm blanket that just that reminder and stuff. And I always feel that way when you put something out, it's such a thing. Cause I actually worked at the college radio station. So when girlfriend came out and was such a big deal, I was at KRNU. Um, so I just, that it's just that visceral, you know, we don't know each other per se, but hearing you sing and writing, song, it's always, it's just a pleasant thing for me. I'm oh, always that's like, great. I just, Thank yeah. you so much. Well, you know, college radio was so important. And I remember I followed, you know, in the very back of Rolling Stone, they would have the college charts. Mm -hmm. And that's where things I loved, you know, at that time, right before I was graduating in 1983, um, REM and a lot of things I loved, you know, Robin Hitchcock and people, that's how, that's the chart, you know, that they went up. And so it was a huge deal for me when I got on, uh, college radio and they worked really hard and I have you know framed things of the chart magazines that you know the people who worked so hard to make it happen at zoo you know gave to me back then I'm not really a hang up the gold records kind of person they're just in a stack and you know one of one of my rooms but I have some very uh very cool reminders of, of how cool it was to get up on that chart in uh, on CMJ. Yeah. It just felt like it was like your own little secret club of coolness. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, very much talks, talks about, and we went to so many college radio stations too. I bet you did. Yeah. Cause like Nirvana, I didn't hear what the rest of the world heard Nirvana on MTV, but I actually heard their album before that because of college radio. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My first A&R guy gave me early Nirvana stuff that really was quite different, you know, not as poppy as uh, the, when the big album happened, you know, Butch Vig made that really made them commercial on that record, you know? Yeah. And uh, oh my God, you know, what a force Kurt was and his voice was so amazing I remember hearing them when I would be out on the road and driving to radio stations with the promo people and they would generally play the radio station we were headed to. And so they started to just be on there all the time. And I was so jealous of like his voice, like that could rip up like that, you know, and, but sound so appealing. And my voice is just really different. It doesn't really break up. It's a little more of the choir boy, beach boys kind of voice or something yeah. i love your um, voice but, for what it's but worth. it was but it was a great time and uh i just can't even believe now looking back how long it's been oh, but yeah. also that it ever happened it was just so uh because i never 
thought I would have the kind of success I had. I just wanted to make records and record and, and do recording in studios and have music friends, you know? And so, and I should have worried about it more because, you know, you make a few albums that don't do anything and then it'll be harder to keep making them, you know, but I was really lucky what happened with girlfriend and, and uh, it changed my life. And it's been 30, it's 30 years this year, right? It's 30 years. I didn't Yikes. even know. And so it was funny because <laughs> when I started doing the interviews in January for Cat's Paw, people were like, wow, it's 30 years. How do you feel? And I was like, it is. Right. It just <laughs> I remember 25. By. I remember 25 or maybe just 20 um, because we went out and toured playing the whole album. And uh, we did that for like, three or four years or something because there was just so much demand for it you know so I kind of kind of got the uh uh anniversary thing out of my system then so it was a little bit of a surprise to be at another one no it just it just flies by it's just yeah you know I had that on cassette Matthew that's how long ago it was right (laughs) oh yeah I've got a lot of cassettes a good friend of mine from High school sent us a shoebox full of early demos and things that I gave him. And, you know, we are going to try to start releasing um, lots of, of things that people have never heard. It's kind of time to start doing that. I'm supposed to get out all my dat tapes and start archiving what exists, you know, so my uh, management can help me. Uh, curated and and put some things out and it's great because like um my manager one of my manager's sons that was a you know baby back then um now also works at the management company and he's kind of taken on helping me do a lot of stuff that's adrian probably you've been dealing yeah adrian's been really nice thank you yeah he's he's a great guy and really smart and he's been very dedicated to helping do stuff because I'm a little bit I don't you know I'm not dying to listen to myself all the time and it kind of freaks me out but when I do hear old things usually I just have good feeling about it you know yeah well I will let you go I do uh, uh, let every artist pick the song for the intro and the outro when I introduce and then talk about it so it's 100% up to you I, I've been getting in trouble some people are like you're asking me to pick my children like my favorites like no I yeah just want, that's just, what that's what right? I would say I would say pick whatever you want because okay. you probably have a really good sense for it you know well, I, I'm going to do one of each. I'm going to do one off the new album because I think it's always important to talk about what people are doing today. Um, and I don't, I really like the song Drifting, if that's okay. I think oh, it's, that's, yeah, totally cool. I love the feeling of that. Yeah, and it kind of fits perfectly, right? Right now? Yeah, um, yeah. So why don't, we, why don't we bookend it? We'll do that for the first one. And then, um, I've oh, obviously, Girlfriend's a great, I loved all, everything on Girlfriend, um, but I've been waiting. It just, the first time I heard that, uh, kind of had that, like that bird's, kind of feeling to it right? yeah no I love that and it was like the birds and it's funny because uh you know I knew the birds and I liked the birds but uh having it's funny having brought up Robert Quine earlier mm-hmm. he was really into the birds and I knew him more from Richard Hell and the Voidoids and Lou Reed and stuff and my friend Fred was like he's really great at like jangly he loves the birds you know 
and Bob would come into the studio when we were making Girlfriend and play. We'd go in one of the other rooms and play Bird's records on the monitors. And so it definitely had that. It's also a really special song for me because uh, I wrote it when I fell in love with my second wife, who is my current wife. And uh, it was purely out of just a feeling of infatuation. You know, I woke up one morning and I wrote it and I recorded it and I just had this new friend and I was really happy about it. And, and uh, so she's really, you know, the girlfriend from girlfriend and, and uh, we're still together. Um, you know, we're, we're getting up on, I'm trying to think 20 seven 28 years together uh married <laughs> so that's more, right. speak of the uh uh you know the flying time mm-hmm. and the anniversaries of things um that turned out to be you know a very prophetic song that's so sweet i i love that and i've been married to my wife's my best friend we've been together we've been married since 1998 and we've been together since 94 and i totally get that vibe so hearing the backstory on that makes me love the song even more which i didn't think was possible well it's it's very purely an inspired moment song you know that's great well you take care of yourself matthew like i said it's a total treat for me um obviously since we had shared background and shared high school and stuff i've you know uh it's nice that i loved your music too uh, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, so when you come to Kansas City, the world opens up and you play. Uh, I would love to say hello and just, you know, say hi Please to you. Please do. And, come okay. on down. We play pretty frequently at, uh, uh, what's the place? At the Record kind of bar? Out, Where do you play? Out, outdoor stage. Oh, well, you play at Knuckleheads probably. Knuckleheads. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Knucklehead. I would. I often will kind of joke about the name i'll come out and say how's everybody doing you knuckleheads (laughs) it's such a crazy (laughs) venue isn't it yes they're really nice people though and they take great care of us and we generally have really good crowds there and and kansas city was never really a place i played a lot you know in the past but in more recent years we've gone there almost every tour that's great well i i'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing you in person um it's really made my week. I, I really appreciate it. I will send your manager the link when it goes live. And I'll also send the remember the drumstick information. So you, you can watch oh, yeah, documentary yeah, yeah. since it's going to get cold soon and we can't get uh, out. Soon, I know right? I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready for it, but nobody lives. That's, in one of the th- that's one of the things I love actually about being back is having definite seasons yeah. again, you know, cause the spring and the fall are so wonderful here. And I like, the winter the summers have gotten too a little too global warming brutal for my my taste but they don't last as long into the fall as they did in california so um i guess there's we have that we always gonna get it we're always gonna get a new season every three months you know absolutely well matthew you take care uh like i said i really enjoyed it and love the new album thanks so much gosh we could you know i'm sure we could go on forever about old i'll tell you what well let's let's make a deal here when the new album when you're done with the new album okay reach reach back out and we'll talk about it and we can delve more into you know we can talk about were you a band nerd at southeast like i was i don't know but i was but you know all (laughs) that so it'd be great okay we'll do it all right matthew have a great weekend too you too thanks all right bye-bye yep bye
Matthew Sweet. That's one of my favorite interviews ever. So thank you so much to Matthew. And, and like I said, I, I didn't think I could love the song anymore, but I do. What a sweet story. He and his wife still together. This is a song about that initial love and infatuation and, and realization that they were really good for each other. And that makes you really happy, doesn't it? So down in the show notes, uh, you can click on Matthew's uh, website. You can see what he's up to there. I put some clips in there, too. And, uh, you know, support him when he comes here. When he's coming to Knuckleheads next time, let's go down and, and, and support Matthew because that's how live music works. It only works if we support it. So that's going to do it. And I was wrong. I thought this was the last interview of the year, but I'm sneaking one last one in next week. The amazing folk artist John McCutcheon dialed in, and we had a great chat. Uh, he's got a new album out. We talked all about that. We talked about his songwriting, and there was a lot to talk to with John, another great artist, and you're going to dig that. So that's one week from today. For those of you who celebrate Christmas, I, I wish you the merriest of Christmas. For those that don't, happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa. Hey, happy Boxing Day. It's okay to just wish people well and be happy for them. So that's it. Until then, go out, support live music, and we'll talk real soon. Bye-bye.